Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. From WBEZ Chicago, this is Nerdette. I'm Greta Johnson. We did it. We made it to another weekend. Coming up, the author of the memoir, Life on Other Planets, tells us about how she decided to start studying astrophysics, then got an MFA in acting, only to go back to her love of outer space a decade later. There was a way for it to be a both and or a yes and. But first, it's our chance to sit back and unwind from the week that was with two excellent humans with us this week. We have the host of the New Hampshire Public Radio podcast, The 13th Step, Lauren Shuljan. Lauren, hello. Hi, Greta. Also here is the host of the Vox podcast, The Weeds, Jonklin Hill, JQ. Hello. Hello. It's so good to be back. Okay, so I have to ask, I think we need to start with Barbenheimer just because it is a fascinating phenomenon. And JQ, I'm pretty sure, did you see both of them last weekend? I did. I did the Barbenheimer experience, except... I split it up into days. So Friday, I saw Oppenheimer, and then Saturday, I saw Barbie. I do think the Barbie chaser, like, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think you need dessert after your vegetables. Right, exactly. (laughs) So I did see Barbie. I haven't seen Oppenheimer yet. Lauren, were you, I know you have a kid, so it's probably harder to, like, prioritize going to the movies. Yes, I do have a toddler, so going to the movies is hard, but I am committed to seeing Barbie. I will say I'm so glad to hear that JQ kind of split this up because that was my one thing about all this is, like, who can sit still for five hours it's crazy so that was my that's been my big thing this week is like i'm so pleased that people love culture so much that they can sit still for five hours <laughs> in a movie theater i really i really truly am but i i i'm more also i had read this piece in the new yorker that came up a couple of months ago i think about how like this nostalgia like tapping into nostalgia is like the next wave of films yeah and so i'm deeply curious about that and I saw that there's going to be a Polly Pocket movie. Yes. Like, I just all the things are very interesting to me right now about this. Yeah, it is a very interesting time. JQ, since you have seen Barbie, I'm really curious. I haven't talked to a whole lot of people about this who have actually seen it, but I found the paradox of a Barbie film that is like quite feminist and also anti capitalist to be very subversive, but also it's still sponsored content. And I just don't really know what to do with that. Oh yeah. It definitely contained multitudes because on one hand it's like this giant critique of consumerism and patriarchy, but also it's like, do I want the Barbie branded Bay's luggage? I do. So (laughs) what do I do with that? And why does that exist? Shay Mitchell, you got me again. Um, and it's just, and even the critique of the patriarchy, and and I don't know, I don't know if I agree with this critique, but, you know, there has been the conversation. One thing that I think is interesting about the movie is that 
it also explores the way patriarchy is harmful to men. Yes. And in a lot of ways, we spend a lot of time looking at how patriarchy is harmful to men. And it's kind of like, why are we spending so much time on men? Let's but, center Ken in this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, it was like, yeah, we need to have that conversation. And then, you know, there's this part where there's a monologue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, some people have referred to it as trite and i think if you're like 12 14 or if you've never thought about these things before it can be a little bit like oh wow Hmm. there are a lot of expectations put on women and so you know what if this is baby's first feminism i will not begrudge them that okay okay (laughs) yeah that is yeah that is an interesting framing for it i think you're right i have had like i definitely don't think it's a kid's movie but yeah like a 12 to 14 year old especially girl but probably anybody i think like could have some cool like i like the idea that this film could radicalize people it's just so confusing because also there's like the giant mattel sticker on the screen before we start (laughs) you know (laughs) okay so because we are in the middle of summer and august is right around the corner which is crazy um i thought it would be fun to spend a little time with you two talking about stuff to we decided on read do and listen to as our Uh three prompts this time around So, I mean, old school nerd out listeners could think of this as just like a homework bounty. Um, And y'all get to think of yourselves as giving out assignments if that's fun for you. Um, Lauren, let's start with you. What's something that you think people should read? This could be like an article or a whole ass book, like whatever, whatever's catching your attention. What do you think? Well, I feel like all of your listeners are so ahead of me in reading (laughs) and I feel like I've just like in, I've been in a podcast hole for Mm. the last three years. And so all of the books that have like been popular, like have piled up for me. So I finally had a chance to read the Dutch house by Ann Patchett. Oh my God. I'm like, and guess what? Everyone was right. It was delightful. And I, as Greta mentioned, just like put out a podcast that's like pretty tough stuff. And so this was just like a great story of a family and a house and just enough drama that like was very unexpected. And I I was thrilled by it. You know, know, better late than never. Like, I think, you know, we're all moving at our own speeds and I'm glad you're finding stuff you like. You know what? Thank you so much. Honestly, having more time is that then you can like really figure out what people actually liked, you know. And what That's a good that. way to put it. It's not that I was behind. It's that I'm just You're you know, making sure they were correct. Exactly. <laughs> JQ, what have you read lately? Okay, I love to hop on bandwagons. And also, yes. there's an itch in my brain that has not been scratched in a while. And that's messy white woman antics. Oh, um, we've oh, discussed listen. this before. Yes. <laughs> so I'm currently reading and enjoying The Guest by Emma Klein. Ooh, that one's Ooh. really it's so like there I, I started a while ago but there are moments i have to put it down because i'm thinking these life choices and decisions don't make sense to me also yeah. it, it's like watching a slow moving car crash but i highly <sighs> highly recommend it is um, yes. i think i also saw a tweet where someone was like oh this is sydney sweeney is gonna eat this role one day like it's oh my god simply waiting for her <laughs> simply waiting for her <laughs> And it honestly makes me want to revisit another book about a woman acting messily, and that's Luster by uh, Raven Lalani. So I'm like, yes. ooh, maybe I'll do a reread because I love reading books in pairs. Oh, um, that's fun. Yeah. I love doing, like, when I read um, The Vanishing Half 
I also was <laughs> oh, like, yeah. time to pick up passing. Or when I read The Mothers, I was like, what if we give Sula a read? So I love like pairing. You were Barbenheimer together. before Barbenheimer was popular. Yep. Oh, oh, definitely, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's amazing. I recently read this book called Fourth Wing by Rebecca Yaros. And it is just like peak fantasy amazingness where there are these, they're not quite kids. It's like a college military that they're all kind of automatically entered into in this world. And they're dragon oh. riders. Everybody gets a dragon. Oh. And there's like, and the our main character, our protagonist is the daughter of like the general of this army. But the general is her mom, which is kind of a fun twist. And she was supposed to be a scribe, but then she ended up being a dragon rider. And there's this amazing love triangle between her like goody two shoes, best friend, handsome dude. And the like son of the guy who rebelled against the castle, who's also super hot. And it's just like so juicy. And I think it's really fun, especially in the summer. And it's like definitely an immersive different world but it's pretty easy to keep track of what's happening which is a really kind of satisfying combination i think you don't have to work too hard but it's just like really good too wow right dragons yeah do you do dragon stuff warren i really don't but you know what i mean now's the time right i I mean while jq was talking i was like here this is my chance i can join the culture and read something people are reading right now and she's convinced me and i'm gonna do it but now i'm like I missed all of the dragon books, yeah. so maybe I should I do mean, that. This one's cool, too, because I think it came out late last year, and the sequel comes out in just a couple months, so it's kind of a fun oh, nice. time to get on it, because you can like enjoy this one, and then there will be another one soon. There was a good cliffhanger, too. I just found it very Ooh. satisfying. Um, JQ, let's move on to do, which is a very generic verb. What? How did you interpret it? <laughs> So I do am not like a big astrology girly, but I know enough to be able to talk to my friends. And I know that Venus is in retrograde. And so I'm Mm -hmm. like, why not use this as an excuse to like romance myself? You know, Mm. like I've been buying flowers and making arrangements for my apartment. I love that. Um, My friends and I, we have like a weekly supper club and this week's theme was Italian and so like someone made pasta and I brought mm-hmm. tiramisu and like <laughs> little appetizers just like where can I find like little romantic mo and not like romance as in I don't mean romance as in like ooh boyfriend girlfriend or like right. that sort of thing but just like where can I find beauty where can I find like softness. these instances yeah these instances of softness and warmth and love and just like making the world around me as beautiful as possible and that doesn't mean like spending a ton of money or doing anything but just being like "Ooh, you know what i deserve today a bubble bath Ooh, a cup of tea i love that yeah well jq i feel like my do recommendation aligns with yours because i was thinking people should go out to eat alone Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Which is so much fun. It's such a nice way to treat yourself. It feels so indulgent. You could like sit at the bar with the book. You could sit at it like whatever. I just think there's something really fun about just going to a restaurant and like ordering whatever the hell you want and and just like spending time with yourself enjoying something delicious out. I'm in a plus one that's so hard right? because I took some time off last week and took myself out to lunch and I brought the Dutch house. Now, you know, yes. And I had a cocktail, French fries and a salad. Yes. And that you know sounds what? amazing. Yes. It was so amazing. It was so amazing. It was highly recommended. Yes. So Lauren, what's your recommendation for something to do? 
Well, I mean, besides just plus wanting so hard, everything you all just said, um, <laughs> what I was going to bring to the table here was um, inflatable pools. Ooh. I know that they're like not great for the environment, which makes me feel sad. But yeah. I got to say, the intent was to get it for my two-year-old, uh-huh. but I was like, mm. <laughs> If I'm going to have to do all this work to, like, clean it and fill it, you know, because they get disgusting if it's just, like, an inflatable pool. Oh, my gosh. I filled it up. I brought a book out there during when she was napping on a weekend. And I read a book in the inflatable pool by myself. And as you both know, the summer is disgusting. The weather is awful. Yeah. Climate change is real. And there yeah. I was in this just like pool to myself. And it was a thrill. And I just think that everyone needs to find an inflatable pool. And, like, take good care of it because, you know, they pop and then you feel like a terrible human putting that in the landfill. But uh, for the time being, it is lovely. I love that. I think that totally fits in, too. It's the summer of romance in not the way we normally think of it, which I just think is so sweet. I agree. Okay, so for something to listen to, I picked an audiobook that I actually just finished last night that, Lauren, I know you'll be especially excited about because it's Ann Patchett's new book, Tom Lake. It is so good, and it's narrated by Meryl Streep, which is like, why on earth would you not give yourself that gift? Wow. So this is good for me to know, because in three years, I will finally listen to that. (laughs) (laughs) I'll write that in my calendar three years from now. JQ, what do you think is something people should listen to? Um, I'm going to go, well, there's an audio book, and I also have a music suggestion. Great. I love it. Audiobook wise, um, Imani Perry's South to America. It is oh, cool. such a wonderful, beautiful book. Um, and it examines like the U.S. South's relationship to the U.S. as a whole and just how it's really shaped the country. And she just goes on this amazing journey. And she even goes places where you wouldn't necessarily think of them as the South. There's a chapter on Maryland. And Hmm. at the end, there's a chapter on Cuba. And it's just it's such a beautiful book. Like it was definitely what I listened to as I was, you know, um, cooking or going on like my hot girl walks before it got too hot for hot girl walks. Before <laughs> they became sweaty listen. girl walks. <laughs> yes, they are absolutely sweaty girl walks, and it's like we can't have that. Oh my god! Um, oh, the- that's a great recommendation. <laughs> Music-wise, I'm listening to a lot of the singles Victoria Monet is putting out ahead of her album, which is out in August. Um, She's an amazing R&B artist. Uh, She's probably written quite a bit of music that you know. Like, she collaborates quite a bit with Ariana Grande. And Mm. now she is doing Jaguar 2, which is going to be her sophomore album. And I'm really excited about it. And in particular, I love the song On My Mama. I'm very, very excited for her album. Cool. I love, I am, I feel like Lauren, like I am at least three years behind on music. So it's always helpful to get some tips. So I appreciate that. Did that JQ? You're bringing us up to speed, JQ. No, I try. I try. I try. (laughs) Amazing. Lauren, what's your recommendation? Have either of you listened to the This American Life about rats? Oh my God. No. Oh my God. (laughs) You can't even. 
You don't even understand. Okay, first of all, there are rats that are co-hosting the show, which what? you probably are like, that's so dumb. And like at first, when you when you hear the rats talking, you are a little bit like, this is dumb. And then you kind of love them a little bit, these fake rats that are hosting the program. But I'm really in it for the first act, which is where one of their producers meets a man who like owned at like I think over the course of time like 36 rats Ooh. Uh, guys that's guys, a lot of guys. that's a lot of and they're Why? like living in the apartment no. and the, and the problem is he wants to start dating no oh absolutely not I no. know and then how do you bring a person uh-uh. home to your so this is like the tension of the story is like how does this man bring a woman home to a house of rats uh-uh. It literally, my I was driving and my like hands left the wheel. My face was like contorting, like <laughs> I and yet I still kept listening. Like it wasn't that gross. Like, I don't know, you guys. It brought me a lot of like full body experience, and I, I I hope that for you. I hope that for anyone. Could you imagine going out with a guy ten out of ten every like dream man, no. amazing, and he's like, come over to my house. I'll cook you dinner. And you're like, yeah, sure. Mm -mm. And he's like, these are all my rats. Mm -mm. Yes. That's the thing. And then he talks about how he loves them and how smart they are. And like, to be honest, I did learn a lot about rats, but I (laughs) just like, I, ladies, highly recommend. (laughs) Well, JQ, Lauren, thank you both very much for coming on. I love you both dearly. This is very fun. I love you too. Let's do it again. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. In just a minute, we are going to talk to the Aomua Shield. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Oomoa Shields is an astronomer and astrobiologist and professor at the University of California at Irvine. And she has a new book out. It's called Life on Other Planets. And it's a memoir about her life and career in pursuit of big questions. Oomoa says astronomy was always her first love. You know, looking up at the sky at night, I dreamed. I, I went right into that feeling of wonder and awe and imagination, asking myself, Things like, what's out there? How far out can we go? How far out does space go? She saw the movie Space Camp when she was 12, and she was hooked. She wanted to be an astronaut, and she wanted to work for NASA. But along the way, Oomua also came to love acting, and she couldn't figure out how to do both. So she stuck with her plan and went to MIT, but she says she didn't fully feel herself there. And that's when she swapped coasts and degrees from PhD to MFA to try her hand with acting. But again, it was that same thing where, like, acting alone didn't feel like fully me. Aomua, ever the space nerd, likens her career change to a solar cycle. The sun cycle is 11 years, and it was 11 years 
between the first PhD program and the second. And I decided I found my way back to astronomy and this time finished. But a lot of this journey chronicled in the book is about my perspective shifting around, Mm -hmm. does it need to be either or and realizing that it didn't, that there was a way to, for it to be a both and or a yes and, and that I didn't have to to work so hard to figure out how that was going to happen. That's so lovely because, I mean, it really does make me think about how for so many of us, the farther you get down the career, the narrower that path kind of becomes, you know, it's like, sure, you can still climb whatever ladder you might be looking for, but like once it, it, the, the narrative really is once you've chosen, you've chosen. And it's, you know, it's such a bummer because it really is never too late to, to figure out how to both and something. It never is. And yet when I looked around me, often when people would say, what do you like doing? And I would say astronomy and acting, I would get that look mm. of surprise and, and even a perplexed look like, how, how, do, how do you work that out? Or how does that happen? And unfortunately, I internalized that, that idea that because I hadn't seen it done, I, I didn't have a role model for someone mm. who, who seemed to be combining science and the arts. I thought that meant that it couldn't be done. And what I'm learning more and more these days is that I'm not a rare magical unicorn as I, as I write in the book that I thought I was, but there, and if I am, then there's many other magical unicorns in the meadow. Like I get contacted from Mm. people from all over the world who are saying, who they've either seen the Ted talk where I talk about this and they're like, I, I also have these loves and I love this and I love that. And I don't know how to put them together. And um, and so that's telling me that that there are a lot of us out there who have the science and the arts interest, and they're not as far away as I once thought they were. In fact, they can interweave and they can inform and fuel each other. And I certainly feel as though I'm a better scientist because of my arts mm. background. Yeah, it's so interesting. I feel like science is still, and I think it has changed a lot over the past even, you know, 10 or 15 years, but it's still, it's still taught in such a dry way. And I think with academia, especially there's kind of that idea that like, no, you have to take it very seriously. And being a scientist means sitting in a lab with goggles or whatever, and you're not really actually engaging with the outside world, which is such a misconception. It is. I picked up that perception somewhere along the way Hmm. that that my feelings and thoughts weren't, weren't very relevant to the study and practice of science. And Mm -hmm. it wasn't as though a professor told me that, but it wasn't also as though I was asked very often, like, how do you feel about what you're Mm -hmm. learning or, you know, what's going on in your personal life? Like, you know, and I understand there's some boundaries that are important to observe in, in, in those areas. However, what has been a catalyst for the formation of the program that that I direct called Rising Star Girls is this belief that the personal informs the professional, that we want to encourage these middle school girls of color that we serve through this organization to bring their whole selves to what they're learning about the universe. We want them to know they don't have to leave who they are outside on the street when they come into a workshop with us to learn about stars and planets. We want them to bring that that background, that what they talked with their parents about that morning, how they feel about being a 13-year-old girl at the present time in their lives. Like we want mm-hmm. them to use that information and process what they're learning through the lens of their individual selves. 
That's really cool. The idea, it seems like what you're talking about also is, is the idea of objectivity, which ends up feeling so, you know, I mean, I think about it in the context of journalism and it's, it's such a prized value, but at the end of the day, you know, I think even over the last couple of years, we've just been having so many more conversations about like, okay, but what, whose objectivity, (laughs) you know, and is it, actually, you know, like a straight cis white male point of view that we're considering objective. And how are we working with that? You know? Yes. Oh, yes. That's, that's crucial that we've had a lot of conversations in the halls of academia about, you know, how do we increase the number of black and brown students in our physics and astronomy departments? Mm -hmm. Because it's not about lack of interest. Um, Mm -hmm. It's about, it's, it's, you know, that, it, it, it starts much earlier than college. Mm-hmm. So like the literature tells us that, that girls of color, for example, often stop pursuing STEM fields because of a lack of self-confidence and few role models who look like them. Mm-hmm. So we have to start earlier than, than college. And it's, then it's about retention. How do we get you to stay? How do we get you to feel like you belong in these fields? Mm-hmm. And there, so that's the external side of it. And there's also the internal piece. For so long, I internalized a lot of whether it was negative comments or the self-doubt or whatever I saw in the media, not seeing any anybody who looked like me doing what mm-hmm. I wanted to do, internalizing that and, and, and kind of be- telling myself a story. And then the next step was believing that story. Yeah. Um, once I realized that, I could tell myself a new story. And choose to believe that, you know, the new story was, hey, I'm, I'm an African American woman, I'm an astronomer, I love fashion, I love you know, <laughs> makeup, like, that's who I am. And no human being gets to tell me that I shouldn't be here. If I decide, in consultation with the, the larger universe, that if there's a sign that like, I'm not supposed to be here, but that's one thing. But no human being is powerful enough to tell me whether I can stay or, 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 or not. And hmm. that is ultimately is where I do have power. That's so cool. I love it. So when it comes to space these days, is there any research in particular that you're, that you are in awe of that you're especially excited about? Well, last night I was looking up latest discoveries from the James Webb Space Telescope. Oh, amazing. It is. And you know, this, this isn't a telescope that I have was personally involved in planning. As a researcher, I, I model the climates of planets orbiting different types of stars. And so my work, most of my work happens after a planet has been found. And we're hoping that, and this is why we do the work, is so that we can prioritize which planets from the ones that have been found actually have the best prospects for life, like which planets we would like to follow up on mm-hmm. with the next generation of instrumentation to see if there's any signs of life that we can detect on their atmospheres or on their, or from their surfaces. And I saw that a few months ago, there was like the first earth sized planet discovered by James Webb. The next Hmm. step there is finding out if we can tell what's in the atmospheres of those earth sized planets that James Webb is finding. And it looks like that the the discoverers of that planet are going to be taking additional observations with James Webb this summer and so we may find out what's in the in that that Earth-sized planet's atmosphere, wow. and things might happen a lot sooner than we think in terms of answering that question. Like which are the, which planets are the 
best prospects for life and maybe even which planets have signs you know, of life. I'm also really That's excited about wild. the solar system, like within our own backyard. It could be that we find that we find this answer to the question, are we alone right here in within our own solar system? You know, Jupiter's moon Europa, there's a mission that's going to be it's a, slated for 2024 to go there and see if there's anything swimming around in the ocean because that that uh, moon has an ocean underneath the ice. That's amazing. So I'm excited about a lot of things, I, I, and I'm particularly excited about the prospect of answering this question, are we alone, um, the possibility that we could actually answer it within, if not my life, lifetime, then my daughter's lifetime. And it's seeming more and more plausible hmm. or possible than, than I once might have believed. I always think it's really interesting talking to people who study space because the scale and the scope of Everything is so much more vast than what most of us think about on any given day. And I wonder how you think that changes your perspective of even like, I don't know, being stuck in traffic or something. Like, do you, (laughs) do you think it has shifted how you think of, I mean, even just that statement, like it could happen in your lifetime or your daughter's lifetime. You're saying that as if it's a very quick amount of time, which of course, over the, you know, if you're talking about light years, it absolutely is. But then again, a lifetime is a whole lifetime, you know? It is. The feeling that I have when I look up at the sky, particularly at nighttime, whether it's the moon or whether it's simply looking up at a star and you can anywhere Mm -hmm. in the world, whether you're in the, out in the dark, desert or within the busiest of cities, you're probably going to be able to see at least one star if you look up into the sky. Mm-hmm. Simply shifting our gaze up, I feel simultaneously not alone, like less isolated, more connected to the universe, and at the same time, incredibly precious. Mm-hmm. And as you're alluding to, it it does broaden my perspective when it comes to my my little petty worries and and issues and neuroses and you know, like something that hang ups, like mm-hmm. the things that happen to me in a given day, I can let them go a little more easily. I can be um, that sense of connection that I feel when I engage with the universe in some way. And, and, and that's usually through the eyes of becoming aware that there's something else out there that, that's much bigger than me. And who knows, maybe there's someone, something that is peering out into the vastness of space that's looking for that us, the pale blue dot, as Carl Sagan referred to it all those years mm-hmm. ago, that that makes me feel like it's like I really don't have to sweat the small stuff. Like these some things, many of the things really aren't that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty sure I know the answer, but I have to ask if you could do your career all over again, would you have stuck with your PhD the first time around? <laughs> No. <laughs> you knew that answer, I didn't had a you? Feeling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everything that has brought me here today, like it, I, I would not regret any of it because that's why I have that a family that I have. That's yeah. why I'm the person that I am. It's, it's all, it was all, I'm not a, I don't believe in perfection. Um, I believe in perfection in the imperfection. But I have to say that, that it was all perfectly timed. Mm. (laughs) I love that. It's so sweet. 
Well, thank you so much for coming on, Omola. This was such a pleasure. It was wonderful to talk with you, Greta. Thank you. That's it for this week. Thank you as always for listening. Have you Barbenheimered? We would love to know. You can chime in on our Facebook group. We are at facebook.com slash groups slash Nerdette HQ. Nerdette is produced by me and Anna Bauman at WBEZ Chicago and is part of the NPR network. Our executive producer is Brendan Banaszak. Uh, yeah, so now that I'm catching up on the culture, this is what I have to offer. Rats and books that came out a few years ago. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Tan Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.